0: This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and our continuing podcast series Turning the Tide Saving the Chesapeake Bay. Today we're going to talk about air pollution, air pollution and its impact on water quality and also human health. A lot of people don't understand or realize that when pollution goes up into the air, it generally winds back on the land or in the water. And if it winds up on the land it runs off the land into the water so air pollution is just as important as direct water pollution and in fact the clean air act has been responsible for tremendous reductions in nitrogen pollution and nitrogen is a systemic polluter of the bay coming into the chesapeake from out, throughout the watershed one last thing before i introduce our guests And I said, guess, we have two young ladies with me today, both staff attorneys for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. But I'm getting ahead of myself. What I was going to explain is the airshed of the Chesapeake, you know the watershed, 64,000 square miles, six states. The airshed is almost 10 times that, 570,000 square miles. Pollutants released to those airs come eastward, generally, to the Bay Watershed, and there they become part of the water pollution problem we face. But enough background. Ariel Selasky and Elena Chuni both started at CBF as litigation fellows. They are both full-time staff attorneys, tearing things up here on the Chesapeake. And they're both terrific, but Ariel, you were the very first litigation fellow the Chesapeake Bay Foundation has ever had.
1: That is true.
0: Welcome, Ariel. Welcome, Elena. We're delighted to have you you. both. And Elena, I've got to say, this is a repeat performance for you. This is. We had you on uh, several months ago.
2: Yes, second time around.
0: Great to have you. Ariel and Elena, let's start with describing the recent lawsuit we just filed which is clearly connecting air pollution to water quality and human health. Ariel, can you give us a quick description of what that lawsuit was and who our partners on the suit are?
1: Sure. So... The Chesapeake Bay Foundation joined with six other groups, including the Adirondack Council, which is based up in New York, Chesapeake Climate Action Network, Chesapeake Physicians for Social Responsibility, the Environmental Defense Fund, the Environmental Integrity Project, and the Sierra Club. So a coalition of groups joined together. And the lawsuit that we filed last week uh, is essentially asking the court to compel EPA to respond to a Clean Air Act petition that was filed by the state of Maryland. And what that petition said was, EPA, there are 19 power plants upwind of um, Maryland, and that upwind means to the west, as you explained in the introduction. And Maryland said these 19 power plants have specific generating units that are burning coal and the air pollution coming from these units is contributing to air pollution here in the state of Maryland. And the state of Maryland can only do so much within state to control air pollution. And so they're asking EPA to first make that finding, to specifically say, yes, these upwind sources are contributing to um, ground level ozone in Maryland. And then second, do something about it. So that's the that was the lawsuit that was filed by Maryland and then by uh, the coalition of groups last week.
0: And I should uh, say that uh, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, you and your colleagues in our litigation department, three full-time attorneys plus John Mueller, who is the VP for litigation, also an attorney. So four full-time attorneys. Attorneys. We were the lead counsel of all of those partner groups.
1: That's right, John Mueller is representing the groups that I named earlier.
0: And am I correct in in saying that uh, not only, that well, that that EPA has the responsibility under the law to require these power plants to use best available technology which they are not using? Am I close? Uh, close. Warm. <laughs> um, so warm. <laughs> so the,
1: the 19 power plants upwind that are named in the petition already have spent millions of dollars to install control technologies um, to remove the nitrogen oxide pollution from their emissions. But... What the data show that they are reporting to EPA, it shows that they're not running those controls on every single day of the ozone season. And the ozone season is essentially the summer, the hot, the hot weather. Um, and so Maryland's petition is asking EPA to m- force those power plants to run the existing controls. They're already there. They don't have to spend the money to put them in. They already have the controls in place. They're just not running them every day of the ozone season because they don't have to to make, meet in-state pollution limits.
0: So they're not meeting in-state, in their own states, pollution limits.
1: They are able to, they, they're they able are to able meet They are able to them. Mm-hmm.
0: But their impact on Maryland downstream, and one might surmise possibly other states as well, I think Delaware is also concerned, are throwing those states out of compliance with air pollution standards?
1: That's right, that's right.
0: Uh, And and as I also believe I I, I read, the uh, states and the utilities that are in those 19 states are enjoying an economic advantage by not operating the machinery to reduce the air pollution which is impacting the downwind states?
1: The utilities that are not running the controls, one, um, one reason you w- would potentially not run your control is to save money because those controls require inputs and, and, and require money to be turned operate on, yeah. to operate them. Right.
0: And the amount of um, nitrous oxides, nitrogen pollution uh, coming to the Chesapeake Bay is is huge, uh, thousands of tons.
1: Right, and so in Maryland's petition, they estimated that in twenty sixteen, I believe, if those, if the power plants had run the controls on every day of the ozone season it would have reduced the emissions of nitrogen oxides by 39,000 tons.
0: 39,000 tons.
1: In one, one year, in one, one ozone
0: year. season. Uh, now, now let, just so our listeners are clear, uh, CBF and our partners and the state of Maryland have been working collaboratively. It's not as if we brought this litigation separately and distinctly without any discussion. And they're, they're supportive of our litigation.
1: That's right. They're thankful for the support of us and the other groups.
0: And, and we're representing our own special interests vis-a-vis water quality and the environment, whereas perhaps they're focusing more on the human health issues. So, so, Elena, this might be a good time for you to jump in because you've been very active at looking at air pollution issues in Baltimore, in the urban areas, and its impact on human health as well as the environment. So give us a little bit of background on why ground-level ozone is a problem for human health and how this lawsuit can help address that.
2: Okay. Well, ground-level ozone is um, definitely an issue when it comes to human health because NOx, which is the precursor to ground-level ozone, N-
0: nitrogen, oxides. nitrogen
2: oxides, it's coming From various sectors and it's hitting Baltimore's backyard. So Baltimore is dealing with NOx emissions coming from the upwind states at the 19 power plants and it's also dealing with the nitrogen oxide emissions coming from its own backyard at the Willibrader facility.
0: This is the facility which burns garbage in Baltimore, large facility and old and very outdated.
2: Correct, correct. And what ozone does is is it contributes to respiratory issues, asthma, emphysema, um, bronchitis, anything related to your lungs. Recently Baltimore had over 14 days of cold orange air quality alerts. 14 days this 14 past summer. 14 days this past summer, which means that seniors, children, and those with respiratory issues are encouraged to stay, stay indoors. Don't go outside. Correct. Don't
0: go out in the healthy atmosphere <laughs> which is not healthy for you stay inside. Correct. Just what we want to encourage people to go out. This is a uh, So and, and that ground, the, 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 the cause of the ground level ozone, nitrous oxides, anytime you burn a fossil fuel, you mm-hmm. send nitrous oxides into the air, is the same thing that's contributing to the decline of Chesapeake Bay, to water quality issues in the bay.
2: Correct. Um, it contributes to dead zones, and, which also contributes to you know, the death of fish the of habitat in the bay. So it's very crucial that we get a hold on air pollution. You know, it's like the invisible thing that no one sees. We never see air pollution.
0: Right. And, and it's, it's like, so often we talk about water quality issues without talking about the contribution of air pollution. A few uh, uh, sessions ago, I talked with Walter Boynton, mm-hmm. 40-year scientist on the Chesapeake, and he delineated the gains in pollution reduction from the Clean Air Act, from uh, just this sort of this, these sorts of controls. Now, the other thing that's been in the news recently is the rollback of the Clean Power Plan, which is the Obama-era effort to address global climate change by reducing carbon emissions from power plants. Does that connect to? Nitrous oxides and the kind of pollution that impacts the bay as well, realizing, of course, that climate change has huge impacts on the bay. But what about the emissions?
1: So if the Clean Power Plan is incentivizing the development of natural, um, uh, renewable energies, solar and wind, and a move away from burning fossil fuels, then that's also going to lead to a reduction in um, coal-fired, Air pollution, including nitrogen oxides, which eventually deposit nitrogen and harm the bay. So the Clean Power Plan, although focused on energy production, um, could have significant benefits for the bay. Uh, rolling it back, of course, removes that possibility of seeing those reductions.
0: So the Clean Power Plan, as it emphasizes a reduction of carbon emissions, encourages alternative energy sources. And whenever you're having an alternative energy source, you're also not producing the nitrogen oxides, which we're concerned about on the Bay. Right. I got that right. right. Good for me, okay. <laughs> now, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't get the two of you just to take the opportunity to describe a little bit about the litigation team. Give us, Elena, give us the members of the team and the sorts of issues you all are working on.
2: The members consist of John Mueller, which is the vice president of litigation. We have Paul Smale, who is a staff attorney, Ariel Salaski. She's also a staff attorney. And myself, I would not call myself a staff attorney. I am the new environmental justice advocate or environmental justice staff attorney whichever one. (laughs) I think think you ought to
0: add them all together. Environmental justice advocate and staff attorney.
2: I like that. There we go. That's going to be a long business card. (laughs) But um, yes, and what we do is we deal with land use management issues, uh, which would include things like the critical area. Uh, We deal with right now, which is a big thing, the Clean Air Act. Air is a big thing for us right now, and the litigation department is taking on a lot of roles in making sure that the nitrogen deposition going to the bay is being limited. We are working with scientists to do some research on ammonia, and we are doing this to see if ammonia is something we should be concerned about. Coming from chicken operations? Correct. Coming from CAFOs, which are concentrated animal feeding operations. So we've been spending some time on the eastern shore looking at monitors and seeing if there. If ammonia is something that should be on CBF's radar.
0: We're actually setting out monitors, correct, uh, to determine just how much ammonia is being released from these big chicken operations?
2: We actually just picked up the monitors, so we um, finished that project. But yes, what we are trying to do is validate a model that basically says that this amount of ammonia or Nitrogen deposition is going to these areas, like to various areas. And what the monitors did was it gave us a real life depiction of what was done on a computer. A
0: a, a real baseline. Yep,
2: a baseline. Mm
0: -hmm. Very good. And Ariel, what are some of the other issues you've been working on?
1: I think Elena did a good job of covering most of the major projects on our team. Um, And I would just add to the, to the air piece that the reason we're looking at ammonia and nitrogen oxides are the same reason. It's because they go up into the air but then some of that nitrogen in those compounds falls into the bay and into surface waters and leads to the dead zone. So um, EPA in 2010 found that atmospheric deposition of nitrogen which really just means nitrogen falling from the atmosphere down onto the surface um, was the largest contributor of nitrogen to the Chesapeake Bay watershed um, in 2010. So that's why we've been focusing on air deposition.
0: Yeah, some of the data I've seen suggests that nitrogen, I mean, uh, atmospheric deposition of nitrogen may be as much as 30% of the total, which would be a huge sector from sewage treatment plants, agriculture, Mm -hmm. urban runoff, all the other sources of nitrogen, so it's huge. Well, thank you all very much. Now, the, the last thing I wanted to ask is, what is likely to happen with this litigation against the states outside of the Bay watershed that are in the airshed, and the state of Maryland lawsuit? Is this going to go to court anytime soon? And I assume we're filing in federal court.
1: Uh, we filed in federal district court in Maryland and EPA will have 60 days to respond to the complaint. And after that, um, the we're hoping that the court will, a judge will determine that EPA has not responded within the statutory deadline and will require the EPA to respond to the petition.
0: And are the, is the, the judge's, the court's likely to consolidate all the cases into one? Is that correct?
1: That's my understanding. You're yeah. right. Yeah.
0: Well, very good. Well, we will uh, get you all back here uh, as the case progresses learn what has happened. But for now, Elena Chuni and Ariel Selasky, thank you very much. Our great team, 50% of the team, of CBF's litigation department, and uh, doing a terrific job on a number of various cases.
2: Thanks, Will. Thank you.
0: This is Will Baker for Chesapeake Bay Foundation, our podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. Be sure to tune in every two weeks And if you want to listen to past episodes, just go to our website at cbf.org and search for podcasts. Thank you all.